is impatience, which is the subject of today's message. I am not discounting the importance of faith in the believer's life. However, in the daily walk of the redeemed, there are various actions and reactions to life which are either helpful, hopeful, or disasters waiting for the consequences of those poor decisions and the poor responses of our flesh to life's events. I would say 99, 9 of the time, the problems in our lives are because of the decisions and the choices that we have made. Now, we want to blame this person, we want to blame that person, we want to blame mom, we want to blame dad, we want to blame our spouses. Maybe we want to even blame the country in which we live. But you and I are the ones who have to make the choices. We're the ones who have to make the decisions. And if you make poor choices, I mean, it's not brain science. You got to figure a bad choice is going to bring some bad results. I have yet to see a bad decision or a bad choice turn out to be something that you're excited about, that you can write home to mom about, or that you can write a book about. And all of us have made some bad choices and bad decisions. The sad thing is we keep making them over and over and over again. Because the definition of what? Insanity is that you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again expecting a different result. It doesn't work that way. You keep making the same dumb decisions and the same stupid uh, choices over and over and over and over again and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And at what point do we not realize that? Well, patience is vital to the success of the Christian life. Live this side of the rapture, not too far away. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Wherefore seeing we are also, wherefore seeing we also are accomplished about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with what? Patience, the race that is set before us. I, I believe that all of us as the redeemed of the Lord would wish that the rapture would, hurt, would occur well, at least maybe after the dinner today. We'd like to eat before. You know, so, I don't know. But uh, we're anxious for the rapture. Because we don't like world events. We don't like the way things are going in the United States. Maybe we're looking at our own finances. We don't like our own finances. I've got myself in the debt way up to here somewhere. Or I've been, some, I've been in some relationships that are disastrous. And I, I, I don't want to be here anymore. I, I understand heaven's a great place to be. And you'd be right, it's a great place to be. And so, as the redeemed of the Lord, as someone once put it there, that counting on the rapture in your lifetime is not a good, a good retirement plan. Because <laughs> it may be 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 months, 10 years, it may be whatever it is. But we're impatient, are we not? I mean, the worse the world gets, the more immoral the world gets, the more anxious we become. And so the word impatience appears 33 times in, in, in the New Testament, not once in the Old. Isn't that amazing? And uh, it, it, it would indicate the importance of patience as a work of grace in the believer's life and the detriment of impatience as a distraction or a blemish on our testimony as believers. And so if impatience has been a characteristic for which one is known, whether it is impatience with God, Impatience with our spouses, impatience with our family and friends, to not be dismissive and to let it slide because it renders one's testimony useless. It is something that we need to work on. God wants us to work on it. And we need to work on it. 
and not let it consume us in the way. Lord, guide and direct as we look to the message this morning. Lord, that we want to be able to be the members of the body of Christ today that is a good example. Whether we're moms and dads, whether we're young people, aunts or uncles, doesn't make any difference. Whether we're neighbors, fellow workers, employees, and so on. That Lord, of all the people in the world, we should have an abundance of patience. So Lord, won't you guide and won't you direct? Meet the need of this hour. Lord, you know who's saved, who's not. Lord, so we pray that you'll guide and direct and speak to their heart. May, may their mind be open and their heart receptive to what you have to say today through the word. And we'll give you that praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So the very first point, we only have two points this morning. The first one is the disaster of impatience. And in Genesis chapter 15, we go back to Genesis 15. And we're going to look at three individuals, or three circumstances, three historical uh, incidences that uh, impatience led to a disaster. And uh, I've been a pastor for a long time. And I have seen young people make some disastrous choices because they got impatient. And they chose to strike out on their own and they paid a great price. And here we have the accounting of Abraham and Sarah in the Bible. And in chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram uh, in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer uh, of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he shall, but that shall, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed, Abraham believed in the Lord and he counted it for, uh, counted, counted it to him for righteousness. Now, uh, the first historical event that we'll look at is Abraham and Sarah. Now, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 6, we see a conversation through a vision that Abraham had between God and himself. Now, in Genesis chapter 21, uh, verses 1 through 3, if we can just turn over there very quickly. Genesis chapter 21. God's going to speak to, to, uh, to Sarah. And so... Time has gone on by, about approximately 25 years since God and Abraham had this, this conversation. And now God is going to speak to Sarah. And, and, and the Lord visited Sarah, and he, and he, uh, as he had said. And the Lord said unto Sarah, as, as he had spoken, For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Now, we see here that God, he always, he, he always keeps his word, amen? And so he always does, keeps his promises. And so the promise or the vision was made when Abraham was 70 years old and Sarah was 60, well beyond what would have been considered childbearing years. Now the time frame between the vision between God and Abraham was about 25 years. Now, I don't know about you, but if you promise someone something, you know, you don't tell your son or, or say, hey, we're going to go fishing Saturday, and then 25 years later on a Saturday, you go fishing. Because Saturday morning, he's going to be jumping out of bed there. He's going to have his tackle box. He's going to have his fishing pole in his hand. He's going to be at the door waiting for you to take him on that Saturday. Amen? 
Oh, son, I'm sorry, I meant 25 years from now. <laughs> uh, Dad, you realize how old I'm going to be? <laughs> 25 years from now. But anyway, it was 25 years. And so um, we see here and we know that Sarah became what? Impatient. Boy, the price Israel has paid for millennia. The wars and the battles that exist in the Middle East between the Arabs and the Israelites all began with two stepbrothers, Ishmael and Abraham. All because Sarah got ahead and Abraham let her get ahead of God's timing. Listen, God's timing and my timing or your timing is not the same. We have to learn to be patient and to wait on the Lord. And so... The time frame between the vision, as I said, was 25 years. Now, that's a long time to wait for a promise to be fulfilled. And it wasn't that Abraham didn't believe God because the Bible says that Abraham did believe God. God knows the heart, and, the, and God even made the testimony that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And so it's a long time. And, and the Bible says that, that he, he did it in uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, claimed that he, that he believed in God. Now, in that 25-year period of time, Sarah became impatient and took it upon herself to work God's promise. Folks, you can't work God's promise. We are the servants of the Lord, and it's his will that we surrender to, and we do his will. And whatever God's promises are, they will come to fruition in his time. And so, we see here that Sarah convinced Abraham and, I, and I'm not sure how much convincing Abraham needed. However, Sarah convinced Abraham to get her handmaid pregnant, who was Hagar, so she could bear the child upon Sarah's knees and would be their son. It was just a typical old world custom in those days that that's what they would do if they could not bear children. And she convinced her husband, though I'm not sure how much convincing that it took, but nonetheless, she did that, and Hagar and Ishmael were not to be the, the, the seed line of the promise. God had a specific reason why he does what he does when he does it, and if we get ahead of him, it blows it all apart. God will continue, but you're the one who comes out on the tail end of it. And so the name of this firstborn to Abraham was Ishmael and Hagar, and his lineage would in time become the biggest threat to the throne of Israel's side for millennia. The Arab nation, the father of the Arab nations is Ishmael. The father of the Jews is Isaac. And at some particular point they cross wires and they have become vile, vicious enemies for decades upon decades, if not thousands upon thousands of years. All because she became impatient. All because she, she somehow figured God forgot. God never forgets. God knows what I did when I was five years old. He knows what I did when I was ten years old. So God never forgets. I'm so thankful for the blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, aren't you, this morning? Sarah could never, nor could Abraham have ever suspected the devastatingly uh, immense problems that their joint decision would have and impatience is not a just excuse for getting ahead of God. 
I'm trying to tell you, moms and dads, young people, whether you're online or whether you're uh, going to download this uh, someplace on, your, on an MP3 somewhere along the line there, when you get ahead of God, you're going to pay a great price. It's not going to turn out how you think it should turn out. And it's certainly not going to turn out the way God would have it to turn out. And you have no one else to blame but yourself. Well, God, why didn't you stop me? Well, God does everything he can to stop you. But when we become impatient, we become bent on making poor choices and poor decisions. And then we want to blame everybody else. I'm the victim here. Even though I made the bad choices, even though I made the, made, made the bad decisions, and, 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 and nobody's going to overlook it. When you make a bad choice, you make a bad decision, you are your own victim. You are your own worst enemy. And so, when as the redeemed of the Lord, we get ahead of God, we are entering into the realm of the unknowable and uncertainty. Because you don't know what God has in mind. You don't know what God has in, in the plan from point A to point B. You don't know. Because he usually unveils it day by day by day or step by step along the way. But when we are patient and we wait, wait upon the Lord, then he leads us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Does he not guide you? Sure he does. And so God had it all worked out until Abraham and Sarah put their oars in the water. Psalm 31 and verse 15. My times are in thy hand. If they had just come to that place, they say, you know what? God has never failed us yet. Let's wait. Let's be patient. So a second snapshot in history in which impatience did great harm was in Exodus chapter 32. And verse 1. And it deals with idolatry. Now, idolatry is anything that you put between yourself and God. That becomes your idol. It could be money. It could be fame. It could be fortune. It could be just any number of things that comes into your life that puts God on a back burner. It could be a career. It could be an education. And, and, and you set God on the back burner. You do your own thing during that particular time frame. And uh, unfortunately, those things become idols in our lives. And so looking again in Psalm 32, verses 1 through 4. I'm sorry, 31. No, Psalm 32. Uh, Exodus 32, I get it. Oh, my goodness. It says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we would not, uh, we know not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the gold earrings which were uh, in their ears and, and brought them to Aaron. And he received them in their, in, at their hand, rather, and fashioned it with a graven tool uh, after he made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. They were impatient. Moses had gone up there. God called him up into the mountain. Moses went up into the mountain. He was there for 40 days or 40 nights. The people became impatient. This man who brought us up out of Egypt has abandoned us. And so rather than waiting and being patient, I mean, you're in the wilderness. God's providing daily food for you. I mean, the manna is there for them in the morning. Uh, all the things, I mean, they just came through the, the Red Sea that God himself had parted. Uh, God had done so many, he provided fresh water out of the rock. Now, if you've been in Israel, you know that a lot of times there are, there are natural reservoirs from rainwater that get behind sandstone or rock up in the hills, and eventually it will trickle out. 
and uh, make streams. And so uh, he, Moses struck that rock and God opened that up and out came the water. And the people, and the people saw that. And they witnessed that. And they witnessed that God call, uh, Moses called on God to do that. And God performed. God did that for the people. Now he's been gone for 40 days and 40 nights. And they're all in a state of panic. What are you going to do? Where are we going to go? We don't have a leader. We have a leader. And we need a God. We need a God. And so what are they doing? They make a golden calf. Really? What is that golden calf going to do for them? Nothing. Idols can do nothing. They're speechless. They can't, listen, if they're going to move, you have to move them. They can't hear you because they don't have any ears along the way. And so you find yourself in a situation where idolatry is a disaster in anybody's case. And so Moses has climbed up into the mountain. Their impatience led them to lose faith in God and, the result, and to resort to idolatry. And from God's perspective, as we see in verses 7 through 10, their impatience nearly cost them. Look what it says in verse 7. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down there, and down, go, go down there, get thee down rather, for thy people which thou broughtest up out of the land of Egypt hath corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them, and they have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said these be thy gods O Israel which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and the Lord said unto Moses I have seen this people and behold it is a stiff necked people now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation God was going to wipe out all those Israelites that cross over the Red Sea and we're in the wilderness and start afresh with the man Moses. Thank God for a man with a heart. He interceded on their behalf. But their impatience nearly cost them their lives and at the hand of God's judgment, save for Moses' intervention, verses 9 through 14, if you just want to mark it down. And again, we see the need to trust God with his timing. Psalm 31, verse 15 says, My times are in thy hands. And that third snapshot into history concerns Amnon, who ruined Tamar's life. Now, they're in the same family. Their fathers were brothers. That is Amnon and Tamar. Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 13. Always a good portion of scripture for young people to pay attention to. And so in chapter 13, verses 1 through 20, we're not going to read all of that. This was about a young man, King David's grandson and granddaughter. And Amnon fell in love with his cousin. He wanted to marry, he wanted to marry, he wanted to become, he wanted them to become husband and wife. But he became impatient, he wanted to go through a process. And so he contrived through a friend, and any friend that contrives to, to cause you to disobey God's not your friend. He's your enemy. And so Tamar, not Tamar, but Amnon, contrives a skit, a plan. He says, get everybody out of the house. Have Tamar come down and make me some, some lunch, so to speak. And they got her to come down here and to make some breads, and he feigned being sick and had... had Tamar bring in the food and, and basically he raped her in his, in, his, in his now she begged him not to she said please don't do this if you ask the king he will give me to you 
to wife. But he raped her. And the sad consequences of this was that he hated her. The Bible says, and he and he hated and his hatred for her was greater than the love which he had for her in the beginning. Now, his impatience not only ruined what could have maybe been a beautiful life together, but because he made a, a, a poor choice and a bad choice based on impatience, he also ruined her life. Because as virgins in the nation of Israel, they wore colored garments. And now she ripped that colored garment saying that she was no longer a virgin. And she was no longer able to marry anybody at that particular point because this young man is impatient had ruined her life. When young people or anybody gets ahead of God and enters into a physical relationship with someone who is not their spouse through marriage, you're impatient, you're disobedient, and it's not going to bode well for you. I have not really recognized very many marriages over the years in my lifetime where people made those choices and made those decisions where it really turned out all that well for them. One of the biggest blights that we have on the United States government today is the welfare system. There are those who need it. There's no doubt there are those who absolutely need it. But much of that is taken up by women who slept with men, who got pregnant, and the men left them for another woman, left them with a child whom they couldn't take care of. And now they become a ward of the state. That isn't necessary when, when a na nation makes God their God and walks in obedience to God. Because God has a program that takes care, takes care of the children, that takes care of spouses. It's all together right there in the Word of God. But if we act in ignorance, we make bad choices and poor decisions, that it's going to be a disaster. I don't know about you, but I would not want to live some of the lives that some of these people have lived. They don't know which side is up, which side is down. They don't know what is in, what is out. They don't know what they don't really... I mean, they're living from moment to moment, from day to day. I don't live from moment to moment to day to day. I have an orderly life. I have a responsibility to a wife. I have a responsibility to children. I have a responsibility to grandchildren. I have a responsibility to a congregation. I got my plate full. And so I know what I need to do. I know what needs to be done because God has given me the program that I need to follow, that I need to do. But to be able to just live willy-nilly, folks, that's not life. That's not living. You know, when we get saved and we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, God gives us a different, a different kind of life. He gives us a life that has value, a life that has purpose, a life that has direction, a life that is fruitful, a life that is worth getting up in the morning to live and to walk throughout the day with. Amen? And so, again, we see the need to trust God with his timing. Tamar begged Amnon, please wait. Let's not do this thing. Why are you going to shame me? Why are you going to ruin me? And yet he did it anyway because his lust and his impatience ruined this young lady's life. Our third snapshot is simply Tamar and Absalom. And so in these three historical events packed with principles and precepts, we should be able to take away that impatience is a failure to trust God, a foolish move in getting ahead of God, and seldom, if ever, does it pan out. And almost always we find ourselves settling for less than what God had in mind and planned. And the only way to, to turn around 
impatient decisions and choices is to get back with God and get right with God so that God can heal and God can mend and God can move forward in the direction that it should have gone in the first place. So we close with this, the delight of patience in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. And it says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So the point is there that, that we, we listen, uh, sometimes missionaries go a long, long time before they accomplish what they feel God called them to the mission field. But they keep putting out every day, every day, every day, doing what God wants them to do. Maybe it's been a long time since you've led someone to the Lord. You've given out tracts, you've talked to them about the things of the Lord, but nobody's been interested. Nobody's wanted to hear anything about it. You know, don't give up. The Bible says there again that we shall reap in due season if we faint not. You know, sometimes it takes a while. I know I've got a very thick head. And it takes a little while for things to go from this side to the and, and kind of stop and percolate in the middle there. But it does eventually somewhere along the line. So, uh, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Folks, that's about patience. Waiting on the Lord. And so, I'm going to give you several blessings that will be a blessing rather than a blight when we exercise patience and trust in God. Never forgetting the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. The wonderful things about, uh, about this Hall of Fame uh, is still being noted by God and at the Bema seat for believers, it will be noticed because we're all going to stand before God and give an account. I don't believe there is a God. You're still going to give an account. Right. Amen. Just because you don't believe he exists doesn't mean he doesn't exist. And you're saying, well, big deal, preacher. Just because you believe he does exist doesn't mean he does. I'd rather be right than wrong. Because if you're wrong, hell awaits for you. If I'm wrong, I just lived a joyful life. I've made a lot of wonderful friends. I have fellowship with some of the best on, fate on planet Earth. What, what, have I, what have I to regret? But I believe with all my heart over all the years that I've been saved since the age of 13 that there is a God in heaven. Amen. I've experienced his presence. I've seen him do wonderful things in, in my life, my wife's life, our marriage, our children's, our grandchildren's lives. He's done wonderful things, great things. And so the first thing I want to give you this morning is patience, number one. Patience is to be exercised if we had to re reap rewards. You, you know, some people are just difficult to win to the Lord. Some people, you just mention the gospel and boom, I'm on board. And they accept Jesus. Others, my, my mom, my mom, she prayed for 40 some odd years for my dad's salvation. That's a long time. But my dad finally did get saved. All those years of prayer was worth it. But it would have been better if he'd gotten saved sooner. And so in Genesis chapter 6 in, in verse, uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, but in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's an important point. So patience is to be exercised if we are to reap rewards. But secondly, patience is to be exercised by way of historical examples gleaned through the scriptures, assuring us of the promises of God coming to fruition. Abraham, and, and, and listen, they were not perfect. They became impatient. But once they realized the problem with it, they, they made it right. And so Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says, For whatsoever things are written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience 
and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I could go back and I say, hey, boy, hey, Peter made a mistake here. Matthew made a mistake here. So-and-so made a mistake here. Oh, oh wait a minute, look, what, look at Esther. Esther, what a, what a champion she is among the believers. Isaiah and Jeremiah, and we can name some of these biblical individuals, and Job, what he went through. So I have some very positive examples that when I'm patient and I wait upon the Lord, I know that as good things came to them, then good things will come. If not, uh, a good things such as I get to know the Lord a little bit better. I get to understand him a little bit better. I, I, I learn to trust him more faithfully with each and every passing day. But then uh, number three, patience is to be exercised through our trust and absolute confidence in the fact that God knows what he is doing and his timing is always spot on. We think we know what we're doing, but we don't always. And when God speaks to us in certain areas, we just have to be patient and we have to, we have to God sometimes just sit down and shut up and listen. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Maybe he will come in my lifetime. I, if, I, if I live to be 100, I've got, I've got about 19 and a half years. Well, I've been saved since I was 13. And I've been patient through all those years. I can be patient a few more years. Amen? Although I would like him to come, but I also realize there's unsaved people who need to get saved. There's unsaved family members that we want to see in heaven with us. And so patience is a good thing. Amen? And then fourthly, patience exercised, patience exercised, patience exercised, I'm sorry, brings forth spiritual maturity. James chapter 1 and verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect or mature and entire, wanting nothing, lacking nothing. The key to patience is not rocket science. It is simply taking God at his word, trusting him, and the more we glean from the word of God and make application of the word of God to our lives, the more we know and learn of him, and the more we will trust him, and our patience will, be, will enable us to wait upon him rather than getting ahead of him. Folks, Jesus never fails. He never fails. And so we can either wring our hands chewing our fingernails, stress out, flip out, moan and groan, grumble and complain. Amen? What does it get you? People say, I don't want to be around that person. Man, I'm mean, constantly flipping out. They're always mad. They're always angry. They're always mad. I mean, is that the kind of people you want to be around? You really want to be around those kind of people? Worst of all, hopefully you don't want to be one of those people. <laughs> Amen? But anyway, uh, so we can either wring our hands and chew our nails and stress out, or we can trust God and in patience wait upon him. One way is unhealthy, and the other way is healthy for our heart and our soul. You know, stress is tough on the heart. Amen? Find those who have stressful jobs, and they burn out quickly because they are doing in the flesh what should be done in the spirit. Hey, listen, you know, a lot of people, a lot of preachers are under stress. When a preacher does 
in the flesh what he should be doing in the spirit, they will stress out. Oh, no, another message, another message. I don't know what I'm going to preach on. I don't know where we're going to go. You know, and, or you just say, you know what, Lord? What do you want me to preach on this Sunday? And as you're reading through the scriptures, God will point things out to you in your mind. You say, oh, wait a minute. Just like Psalm 31. A little phrase in verse 15. Amen. His timing. My, or, yeah, your, your time. How did I can't even say how it was this morning. Where was it? Before I get back for it, just forget it. My God, your timing is in thy hand. There we go. Yeah, just a little phrase sometimes. And you stop there and you, you think about that. And you meditate on that. Wow. How, for the last 40 years, having read through the Bible every year and having prepared messages after messages, how did I miss that little phrase? My God, my time is in thy hands. Or your time is in my... Forget it. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Just about the time you think you've got all the answers, you find out you didn't know what the question was. Or maybe you've forgotten what the question is. Or maybe in my case, you forgot what the verse was. I don't know. But my God. Amen. Our timing is in his hands. And we've got to learn to accept that fact. We have to learn to live with it. And it's amazing what it will do. You won't be turning gray at 30. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we can be together. Again, Lord, we thank you for the patience of your folk today. And Lord, I know we're anxious to get to the time of the fellowship downstairs. And we pray now that, Lord, you guide and direct during this invitation time. Lord, as we come together, I'm sure that every one of us from the pulpit to the pew and to the folks who are watching online this morning, that they can identify with various times in their, lives, in their life when they've been impatient. And it typically didn't turn out too well. Lord, many have bought a car that they probably knew they shouldn't have done, but they became impatient and they did it anyway. Or maybe they bought this or they bought that, or maybe they took this job or took that job, and well, maybe they went to this school or that. Just any number, a myriad of things that, Lord, Lord we, we find as decisions that we've made, and we made them in an impatient mode. And Lord, we just pray that we'll step back and realize and recognize the impatience for what it is and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure what I should do. And so, Lord, I'm just going to wait on you to give me the green light. And Lord, sometimes it's even about salvation. Well, there may be folks here this morning that have no idea where they're going to spend eternity. Well, they hope they're going to get to heaven. But hope never got anybody to heaven. Only faith in Jesus Christ makes it possible for any of us to go to heaven. Lord, I thank you for the evangelistic team that when I, I heard when I was 13 that I accepted you as my personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, I'm so thankful that my name is in that land's book of life. I now have a home in heaven. And Lord, many here this morning at home as well, Lord, they know also because they made that joyful decision to accept you as your personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, it isn't all that difficult. It isn't all that hard. So Lord, may minds and hearts be open to the reality that if they have never accepted you, then Lord, they're not your children. Lord, they have no hope of heaven whatsoever other than the fact that they need to receive you as their personal Lord and Savior. Now Lord, for the redeemed of the Lord, 
We need to live as men and women who trust in the Lord, who have no qualms about waiting and being patient and not getting ahead of you. And Lord, that should be a good testimony, a good witness to those around us. And Lord, we should be able to give good counsel to those who tend to be impatient and ask us, and we sense that they're impatient, that we can encourage them to just wait upon the Lord. But Lord, you know who's saved and who's not, and heads are bowed and eyes are closed as Diane plays upon the piano. No, no one looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed. As a child of God this morning, are you impatient more often and more frequently than you ought to be? And you'd say, preacher, pray for me. Because preacher, we're going to pray for, we're going to pray for you. Because you admitted this morning that you tend to be impatient. And you're right. Not proud of it. But preacher, pray for me today. Pray for me. I want to develop that spirit of patience. I don't want to be controlled by my flesh. I don't want to be controlled by impetuosity. Preacher, pray for me today. Pray for me. You may say this morning, preacher, I don't know if I were to die right now, I don't know if I got a home in heaven. I really don't know. Well, you can know. And you could know. If you wanted to know. And if you're banking on the fact that well, God is a loving God and, and he's going to forgive me when I, when, when, I, when I die someday. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, you're not getting into heaven. I don't care who you are or what you've been or what you've done as to works. You're not getting into heaven. For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, you can walk out of here today. I'm going to do it my way. You're going to miss heaven by eternity in hell. That's what's going to happen. But it's your choice, your decision. God will honor that decision. That He's not going to make you get saved. He wants you to be saved. But the truth of the matter is you walk out of here today rejecting Jesus Christ. And God's going to honor that choice. He's going to honor your decision. Because the alternative is heaven or hell. One or the other. Here's about nine of clothes. You say, preacher, pray for me in closing. I, I, I don't want to go to hell. I would like to go to heaven. And preacher, would you pray for me as you pray for these others this morning uh, who, who have raised their hand? I won't point you out. I won't embarrass you at all. But preacher, would you pray for me today? Well, Father, we do thank you for the time that we could be together. And Lord, if there's one here this morning that does not know Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior, Lord, may they come and say, Pastor, can we talk with you for a few minutes and show me from the scriptures what I must do. And Lord, I, I, would, I would cherish the opportunity. So, Lord, you guide and you direct. Lord, that we may become patient in our endeavors. Patient in your endeavors for us. And not impatient. Lord, impatience is a sin of the flesh. Patience is spiritual maturity in action. Lord, we want to be mature Christians. And then again, Father, as we gather downstairs, we think of the meal, we pray that you bless and the food and the fellowship. Lord, that it will be honor and glorifying to you. And again, Lord, Brother Steve tonight as he brings this afternoon's message. Lord, that the anointing be upon him and upon the message as well. Now, Father, won't you dismiss us with thy blessings, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.